this week in the market, silver blasted into orbit, posting its biggest monthly percentage gain since June 2016, 12%, while the Dow Industrials blasted higher by nearly 800 points. Well, welcome back to GoldSeek.com Radio, everyone. Your host, Chris Waltzek. Just a big pleasure to be back with you for this August 30th, Season 14, Episode 711. Happy Labor Day weekend. Well, investors are starting to get excited amid a new rate cut cycle. It's just a pleasure to welcome back Arch Crawford. He's head of Crawford Perspectives. Over four decades of experience in the markets, he's expecting big fireworks ahead for the sector. We discuss how Warren Buffett accumulated about 130 million ounces of silver back in the 90s. Now there's over 2,000 billionaires worldwide in several big central banks, any of which could corner the silver market. Then returning from a sabbatical in lovely Italy, Peter Schiff notes profligacy could unravel the domestic economy. He says the ideal panacea would be returning back to a gold-backed currency. We discuss Ghana where the financial crisis led to one-third of financial banking institutions closing their doors virtually overnight. $1.6 billion evaporated. This is known, you can find it in the Wikipedia if you like, Ghana's banking crisis. And several top analysts are predicting $2,000 gold, including Mark Mobius, who says buy it at any price. The Bank of England Governor Mark Carney just proposed a cryptocurrency as their reserve currency. Whatever happened to sound is the pound sterling, Mr. Carney? Well, cryptocurrencies could act as the new pound sterling if he has his way. I wouldn't hold my breath just yet, but it's definitely a positive sign. Recent examples of just how exciting it could get for Bitcoin and gold as well as silver. Look at Zimbabwe, where half a million dollars is still required to buy just one ounce of gold. And then Venezuela, one ounce of gold is worth nearly half a billion. Keep in mind, you could buy a gold coin nearly at a one-to-one ratio a few years back in Venezuela. This goes to show just how quickly inflation can catch people off guard. And I think it really underscores the importance of having a solid precious metals backing of your portfolio. And then, of course, fraction of cryptocurrencies. And did you see platinum soar 9% this week? I'm starting to feel that hedge funds are secretly listening to Gold Seek. After weeks of my calling for this being the next market to explode, well, our Alpha Stocks newsletters are mighty pleased with that call. I just posted last week our top platinum ETF, and it exploded 10%. If you're on the sidelines, if you've been riding the fence, be sure and check out my Alpha Stocks newsletter. We've got a risk-free opportunity for you this week. Just sign up for the annual subscription. You can do so so easily with your PayPal account. No obligation whatsoever. Kick the tires and the Q&A hotline, 641-715-3900, followed by extension number 514049. Please jot this down. Plug it right into your iPhone, Android, or just your cell phone. You can reach us 24 hours a day, seven days a week with your feedback, which is invaluable. 
We'd like to field your questions and comments. And Robert Ian, of course, brings the runners across home plate, wrapping up the show with his latest must-hear report. Goldseek.com Radio begins now with a market weather recap. Well, visibility virtually unlimited over the precious metal sector. No, this is not a broken record for the 14th consecutive week, with gold up nearly 20% this year as investors sought diversification over high-flying shares. As investors continue to seek diversification at Friday's closing bell, the yellow metal was off a bit, about $9 at $15.29, but silver continued its trajectory into orbit, blasting close to 19 before settling at 18.34. That's over 5% for the week. The XAU also picked up about 20, near 100, if you can believe that. Another percent and a quarter, closing at 99. Palladium added $85. Six percent ending around 1540. But it was platinum that flew nine percent higher, finishing at 932. Big hat tip to my alpha stock subscribers who took that trade. Well, moving on to the precious metals sector, we continued to watch this big rally touching a six-year high just last week on positive signs on the global trade skirmish news that Washington is negotiating in a solid way with Beijing. That impressed investors. Plus, the next round of face-to-face negotiations are scheduled within 30 days. This according to China's foreign ministry on Friday. The good news sent the financial markets sharply higher, in particular silver, where investors, of course, are excited by the industrial component of that silver story, a highly inelastic demand and supply curves. Well, meanwhile, the chorus of precious metals positive analysts continued, including Samir Samana, who noted gold is breaking out of its recent range with room to run. He's the senior global market strategist at Wells Fargo. He's looking for 16, even 1,700. Zaner Metals echoed our Gold Seek radio message on silver. In August alone, silver is up 11% for the month. Plus, the senior strategist at Longleaf Trading Group noted people are finally starting to believe that we are in a bull market, saying that silver tends to lag gold, which is a big opportunity. We agree. Then the broker at Daniels Trading in Chicago noted silver has a lot of catch-up as the gold-to-silver ratio is still around the 80s. could drop sharply into the 60s, sending it much higher, over 20. A lot of investors around the world are receiving negative interest. That means they have to pay for others to borrow their money. Well, at least with gold, you don't pay anything other than maybe storage. Meanwhile, the current Chicago Mercantile Exchange Fed Funds futures suggest a rate cut in about two weeks. The next FOMC meeting is slated for September 18th. That's dropping the overnight lending rate from 2 to 2 and a quarter down to 1.75 to 2%. Even more interesting, though, the October meeting probability suggests a third back-to-back rate cut. About a 56% probability there, so better than even odds. This, I think, is highly supportive for the markets as the Fed and global colleagues continue to open the spigots with liquidity. Bottom line, precious metals. Well, it seems that even Mr. Silver Market is listening to Gold Seek Radio. Silver finally following our expressed edict to move sharply higher. The gold-to-silver ratio broke free from that 85 to 90-ish range this week after spending nearly months in that area. 
topping actually 96 briefly two months ago. Now the odds for 21 and higher we think are much higher, so we agree with Gata, Bill Murphy, and the rest. That's our next big target. Moving on to the Wall Street Report, sunny skies appeared over the New York Stock Exchange, chasing away a month of heavy clouds on expectations of improved trade relations between the U.S. and its largest trading partner. By Friday's closing bell on Wall Street, the Dow was up 774, 3% at 26,403. Meanwhile, the S&P 500 picked up 83%, ending just shy of 3,000, while the Nasdaq picked up 211, 3%, just shy of 8,000. The top story impacting the markets, investors ignored the inversion of the U.S. yield curve, where short-dated yields are above longer-dated. This atypical situation usually implies, or at least precedes, a recession. They chose to focus instead on the rate cut expected by Fed Chairman Powell in less than a month, as the U.S. Federal Reserve, Federal Reserve and the European Central Bank are widely anticipated to continue slashing rates to stave off global recessionary fears. CNBC's Jim Cramer said investors should swap their holdings from industrials, in particular to companies that are less cyclical. He suggested buying one stock in particular, and we picked up on that stock, ran the numbers, be sure and log in for it in our Alpha Stocks newsletter. Solid balance sheets, dividends, really good technical position. U.S. shares, bottom line. Well, despite the solid rally on Friday's close, our favorite indicator, Fear to Greed Index, continues to remain in the fearful category. This indicates the herd is still nervous after a month of selling. So from a contrarian perspective, that's a solid development. The negativity out there is surprising even to this market watcher, which adds further support for our thesis that all three indexes still have plenty of room to record new highs as soon as this year. We could see... 10,000 NASDAQ, 4,000 S&P 500, and maybe even 30,000 Dow within the next few years if the rate cut cycle continues forward as we expect. Coming up after the break, more Gold Seek Radio. It's a pleasure to welcome to the show today Arch Crawford. Arch has been at the helm of Crawford Perspectives for going on half a century. Welcome back, Arch Thank you. I divine how you tell when the next direction is starting when they break through important levels that it's hit before, whether if it goes through to a new high or if it goes through to a new low or to a recent low. Uh, support levels and moving averages, if it starts breaking them, then it's suggestive of further decline. That was the whole thesis of my graduate work, was once a new trend begins in earnest, there are signs that are pretty reliable that can help you divine when it's time to stop focusing on any one market, you know, and let's look for greener pastures. I learned on uh, technical analysis of stock trends by Edwards and McGee, Fourth edition, 1948. Yeah, no, Edwards and McGee, of course, that's where I cut my teeth, too. Of course, for folks who don't know, they are pretty much considered the grandfathers of technical analysis. But I would point out, Edwards and McGee were so oftentimes emulated by so many folks in the industry over so many decades. Because they explain the most simple way of creating a trend is when stock prices are hitting 
higher highs and higher lows, that's an uptrend. If it's hitting lower highs and lower lows, that's a downtrend. And that's the most basic, basic thing. I think I could take Sammy, ask him to sit, look at a chart, and after just a few days, you know, or a few hours of looking at charts, you know, because, you know, attention span, right? By the time you're finished eating the apple, we'll be done with this this little mini lecture. And I think he could say, hey, you know, Daddy, higher highs, this looks like an uptrend. Yeah, it's going to go higher. And the next chart, yeah, it looks like it's going to go lower. You might recall what Livermore had to say. It's very easy to shoot the stem off a wine glass, you know, at 50 paces or at 10 paces. But it's a totally different act when the wine glass has a loaded pistol pointed directly at your heart. Good old Edwin Lafay. He had a very colorful way, didn't he, of his prose. All plans go out the window as soon as the bullets start flying. You know, I mean, I think it's great to have someone give us the trends, give us their ideas of where things are going. But don't you think we should be crafting portfolios around those theses? If you're convinced stocks have topped, U.S. equities have had quite a run. I actually think we're headed higher. I'm open to your opinions, and we have many differing opinions. We have the full spectrum right now. Arch, you would be probably the most bearish of all our guests. And then Harry Estan Jr. is a little less bearish. And, you know, we have Martin Armstrong, the forecaster himself, movie made after him, kind of neutral to positive. Coming into this is hurricane season. I, I did a study with the biggest down days in the S and P's from 1928 uh, into the I don't know 90s, I guess, and um, raid the biggest down days around the calendar. And it appears that two thirds of the biggest down days occur in one third of the calendar year centered on the fall equinox is September 22nd, 23rd. How does one craft a reliable system? At a friend's house and they had CNBC on. And I stuck with my plan until I saw Sue Herrera or Joe Kernan tell me the Dow just collapsed. And I panicked and I hopped on my iPhone and called my broker or, or signed into my E-Trade account and closed out all my positions. And that was the bottom arch. Time of year is typically dangerous. So I would not buy now whether you're staying bullish with your general account or not. Um, it's just silly to go against that kind of uh, I'm looking at the major indices, and they are a bit scattered, but they're, they're all were hitting important levels that had to hold this week. And so far, the Dow Jones went down to its 200-day moving average. It was the worst performer. But it did hit the 200-day early this morning, and it hit it, I think, on Friday. But it didn't close below it. And it hit it this morning, and then we have bounced. And we on the verge of going higher than yesterday in the Dow Jones only. The other major indices are not yesterday. So that's a little different there. Now the NASDAQ 100, the hotshot stock, have stopped along a trend line, which is actually more positive than the others, if it holds, continues to hold the NDX 100 from the December low to the June low. Uh, it stopped right on that trend line, like 
twice this week, and it's bouncing off it again today. So if that turns around and breaks, um, it's really bad news for the markets and the 200-day moving average close below it on the Dow Jones, and the SPX has uh, a 200-day down a little further. It's right about 2,800, so it would have to break that and close below it. Highly dangerous. Got it. So Ixnay on the equities, a then there must be a bull market somewhere. What looks more appealing to Crawford Perspectives? gold for a living in the mid-70s. Gold aficionados, ears just perked up. It responds very well to the astronomic cycle work that I do. And in the June 3rd letter, for the first time in years, I said, we have a solid, strong buy in the, uh, the gold for the first time in years. And I, that was on the June 3rd newsletter. I said, add to whatever positions you have now. And, you know, that was probably hundred, almost $100 lower than we are now. Okay, I know that people are getting excited. You probably came across Mark Mobius, you know, the uh, top money manager. I think he's still in Asia, renowned global investor. He kind of reminds me of Sir John Templeton, who we, we actually had scheduled an interview with him. You may have just seen his comments. I think it was on a major news outlet last week. He And this is almost a direct quote, a paraphrase. Investors should buy gold now at any price. Well, it was hitting highs, all-time highs, earlier in other currencies. So they gave you the warning early. Well, then if you're interested in gold, guess is you're also keeping at least one of your eyes directed towards AG, undoubtedly the most industrially useful of all the precious metals, the most important industrial metal bar none, as long as you don't include copper, which I don't really consider a precious metal. It is the most widely used in the world indicator of how all the economies are doing. Dr. Copper, they call it, for the better part of three months. Silver has bounced from a range of around 87 on the gold-to-silver ratio to 95. And for our newer listeners, a very basic back-of-the-envelope metric tells you approximately how many coins of silver, how many ounces of silver, you can exchange for a single ounce of gold. That's your gold-to-silver ratio. So you're approaching, at its peak, 96, almost a 100 silver dollars for one gold coin. The silver was lagging. The gold moved and the silver didn't move. So the silver finally moved and caught up. So it was going faster than gold in the more recent time, but the, the gold was going faster than the silver. We're convinced that silver has not begun to fight, if you will. In other words, it's only warming up. It's not even basically the top of the first inning, honestly, on silver, or as gold appears to me to be top of the second or third innings of a double header. If we look at a fair value on silver relative to gold, gold is, you know, not too far at around 1530 to 1550 from its all-time record peak of $1,918, approximately seven, eight years ago, whereas silver at around 17 and change in that area is two-thirds off of its peak price of approaching $50 once in 2011 
and again way back in 1980, if you can even believe that. We think there's going to be more fun times ahead because from our perspective, a fair value on silver, let's just say that we go back to a gold to silver ratio, 40 to 50, that would mean an instant doubling on silver $35. And then, of course, we haven't factored in any inflation, the inelastic market for silver, and the opportunity for any nation such as China, Russia, India, the United States, any country within the European Union, or another Warren Buffett. You might recall the late 90s, he cornered the silver market. I think he had up to one quarter of the above ground bullion available. Go back to the 80s again, the Hunt brothers. So there's a lot of opportunity. Think of just one Mark Mobius, one Jim Rogers, one Tim Draper, one Arch Crawford stepped up to the plate and said, I'm going to corner this market. Or what about Saudi Arabia or Venezuela, peripheral nation? We need this. China, we need this. Singapore, we need this. Canada, we need this as an industrial resource. And guess what? Someone just did that. Senior Putin, President Putin, started adding 1,000-ounce silver bars to his gold stockpile, to their reserves. Specifically, in our June 3rd newsletter, I wrote that the gold, this is the first significant gold buy that we have had in several years, and add to positions now. June the 3rd, and that was before any kind of breakout. That's impressive because it certainly uh, was ahead of the curve. That's going to be music to our listeners' ears. Arch, thanks so much. Bye bye. The blockchain revolution is transforming the global arena, disrupting every industry in its path. Goldseek.com is excited to introduce an off-the-chain opportunity in digital gold and silver from our friends at Atmex and Sprott.com. One Gold holds physical gold and silver medals at the Royal Canadian Mint, the first online marketplace to offer secure and convenient buying, selling, and redemption of digital precious metals. One Gold uses Vault Chain, a secure, immutable blockchain ledger developed by Tradewind markets, the leading innovator in digital precious metals distributed ledger and blockchain technology. Vault Chain. Gold and silver are 100% redeemable through one gold. For physical precious metals delivered to customers' doors in any size at competitive prices and low transaction storage costs. As a special offer and for a limited time only, one gold is offering gold and silver at spot price with no additional premiums. OneGold.com is secure and accessible 24-7 on any device, offering convenient purchases and sales of precious metals. Easy recurring transactions make passive saving and gold dollar cost averaging as easy as a single mouse click. Vault Chain offers the best tier pricing on AppMex products, setting the industry standard as a fully backed physical asset with easy redemption in coins, rounds, or bars, offering clients peace of mind and full transparency. Don't get left behind. Remember to bookmark OneGold.com for the safest and most convenient digital precious metals today. Remember OneGold. Goldseek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice. 
shopping for fine jewelry just got easier. Goldseek.com has identified the most successful jewelry brand to launch in recent times. Many Jewelry is rewriting the way consumers buy fine jewelry. Integrity Craftsmanship, the only company to sell 24 karat gold and platinum jewelry, avoiding confusing alloys and gems, a true precious metals investment. Many Jewelry's disruptive business model embraces Franco-American craftsmanship and direct-to-consumer economics, rapidly disrupting the $20 billion monopoly just like Amazon and Uber. The sky is the limit with $1 billion of jewelry purchases daily for loved ones and those special occasions. Many Jewelry is an innovator positioned to capture market share with annual sales growth in the industry topping $30 billion by 2021. Many Jewelry coined the term investment jewelry, pricing by the gram, transparently disclosing its profit margins, a truer investment in pure gold or platinum, similar to real estate, even artwork. Many Jewelry has a weighted value, easily calculated, ensuring value wealth as a long-term investment. With sales in 60 countries around the globe, 20,000 orders already, don't miss out on the explosive growth potential. Many Jewelry trades under the symbols M-E-N-E on the Toronto Exchange and in the U.S. M-E-N-E-F. Remember to sign up to Many's Shareholder Club to receive shareholder news, updates, and special discount codes for jewelry purchases. Remember, Many Jewelry. Goldseek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice. My featured guest, Peter Schiff, chairman of Schiff Gold, located at SchiffGold.com, author of several bestsellers, and of course, TV and radio personality. Welcome back, Peter Schiff. Thanks, Chris. It's great to have you back, and I understand a recent sabbatical to the peninsula, Italy, Florence, Pisa. Where did you go? Well, yeah, I, well, the major cities I was down called Boletto. Any recommendations for our travelers? I mean, those are spectacular cities. I mean, Venice, so it's kind of, you know, marvelous to, like, think back at, you know, Florence and Venice and, you know, Genoa and those areas of Italy really dominated the world. You can see, you know, how, how people lived and, and what they were able to build, you know, without without any machines or things like like that. So it was incredible architecture at the time, but I mean, even a lot more than the last time I was there and all the cruise ships are dumping people off there. Florence is a much more livable city and very, very beautiful as well. We were in Rome, which I think is also a very beautiful city. And, you know, it's amazing, too, that, uh, you know, Italy dominated the world twice. I mean, initially during the Roman Empire, and then again uh, during the Renaissance with, uh, you know, Florence and Venice and places like that. So I don't know if, if there's going to be a third time for Italy to dominate the global economy. I think they, you know, the Italians could be back. Who's going to be the next Galileo Galilei, Leonardo da Vinci, Michelangelo? They could have a post-Renaissance renaissance, I guess. you got to look. I think you got to look. you got to look at China and places like that. You know, everybody's beating up on China right now. And they really have no idea uh, how the world is going to evolve because it's clear that uh, the superpower of the future, this next cycle, is, is, is in Asia. And China is probably going to be the, the dominant power. And, you know, we keep talking about how, oh, their economy is a disaster, their economy is collapsing. No, it's not. It's the American economy that's collapsing, not the Chinese. You believe that a lot of our affluence is a direct result of just simply a sleight of hand, a shell game, having the opportunity. The hegemony offered to us by the reserve currency of the world allows us to offshore those worthless paper dollars. You know, we have a reputation in the past. We were a, a superpower, an industrial giant. We had low regulations, low taxes, minimal government, and you know, we were you know we're thriving. Uh, and so, but we're we're a shadow of what we used to be. Yet, you know, the, the 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 perception is still there that we're this, you know, economic power, but not we're not. I mean, we're it's a function of a credit and, and and you know our ability to borrow money that we can't repay. But at some point, 
the lenders balk at, uh, at at lending us more money. And it's a whole house of cards uh, that we've created here that we think is a solid uh, economy. Of course, is that the house of cards tumbles down on Trump's watch. And, you know, now this house of cards has got a big uh, Trump on it, a big, uh, you know, a Trump brand because he's claimed credit for it all. And, of course, when it collapses, it's going to tarnish the reputation of capitalism, of less government, of deregulation, of tax cuts, because that's what Trump is associated with. And it's going to further the cause of socialism and allow the socialists to argue. Yeah, that seems to be, you know, sort of the cycle we've seen time and time again. I mean, we could just look back to the British Empire. The de facto, for almost 200 years, the sun never set on their empire. But eventually, you know, that starts to wane, and then profligacy, then you start to lean on your currency too much, and I think you're, that's really what you're alluding yeah, to here. I mean, we, we took the baton from Britain, but, you know, Britain thrived uh, under a gold standard, uh, you know, they had a solid currency, uh, they had limited government, even though they had a monarchy, there was a lot of limitations on the power of the monarch, so there was a lot of economic freedom uh, in Britain, and that's why they thrived. Uh, but eventually, uh, you know, they got democracy reared its head and people wanted something for nothing and the government got bigger and they had to debase the currency and run deficits. And, you know, that opened up a window for the United States to supplant Britain. And, you know, we've opened up an even bigger window for China to supplant us. Exactly. But, you know, at the same time, we have to keep in mind that the United States still is the de facto uh, largest, you know, by GDP. It's, I mean, it's the superpower yeah, of China. So our GDP is all is all consumption, right? Seventy percent of our GDP is consumers. Well, where are they getting the money? They're borrowing it. What are they buying? Imports. So this whole thing can implode very quickly if the dollar cracks and interest rates rise, then, you know, the party's over. And that's going to happen eventually. It hasn't happened yet, but it will happen. Well, not to mention that 70 percent, you're referring to, of course, consumer spending, the largest component of our GDP. It's roughly 68. Who's splitting hairs? 68, 70 percent. To keep in mind, what's keeping it elevated? And of course, that's credit. They've got the spigots wide open. And if that ever were to dry up, you know, you could see it cut right in half. And of course, that would immediately impact gross domestic product. So let's get to the horror show we're seeing in Ghana. I don't know if you saw the headlines. $1.6 billion evaporated from savings. Tens of thousands of people woke up to find they have nothing due to just more issues in the banking system. How did the precious metals shield us at least a little from something like this? Well, I mean, precious metals is a store of value. Precious metals is an alternative to government created monetary substitutes, whether it's the dollar, the euro, the yen, you name it, uh, these are just uh, fiat currencies created out of thin air, whereas gold is a real element that is scarce and, uh, you know, and expensive to mine, and, and once you have it, it's yours, you own it, and it has all sorts of uses, uh, the most useful metal uh, on the periodic table. So it's historically been used as a medium of exchange, as money, as a store of value. Uh, so if you are worried about uh, problems that would affect uh, currencies, uh, that would cause governments to create more currency, to artificially try to stimulate economies by printing money, or if you're worried about the solvency of banks, banks that have made bad loans, and if you're worried about whether or not your deposits are safe, and even if they are safe, it's because they're repaid uh, with money that has been debased. If you want to hedge against that, protect yourself, then you own gold. Ghana's banking system was in the middle of an implosion, if you will. They reduced the number of their lenders by a third. We saw 23 savings and loans companies shut their doors overnight. That triggered a run on fund managers. They just couldn't sell things fast enough. You're looking at close to it, $1.6 billion. 
you know, more trouble, though, in Argentina. And I'm kind of setting the stage here to bring us to the United States. I mean, Argentines pulling their dollars out of the bank. They had an election shock there. They're hoarding money. According to Shift Gold, they're hoarding the wrong type of money. Tell us more. Well, I mean, Argentina, the problem there is you have an election or an election coming up, but the polls are indicating uh, that the, you know, the left-wing socialist-type candidate uh, is going to replace the more free market-oriented candidate that's there, you know, promising, uh, you know, more free market reforms that in the short run uh, may, uh, you know, you know, result in some pain as, uh, you know, some of the, uh, the freebies go away, right? And, of course, at the ballot box, that usually isn't a good sell. When you have somebody promising something for nothing, whether it's free education, free health care, uh, you know, higher wages, better working conditions, all for nothing, just from government edict, uh, it's a very powerful, uh, you know, lure for the voters. And, you know, we're the same as Argentina. I mean, American voters are, you know, guilty of the same uh, fault. And so I expect a similar result in the 2020 election. I mean, people uh, think that Donald Trump is a sure thing to get reelected. Well, you know, none of those people thought he could get elected. They thought it was impossible. I was one of the few people that thought he could win. Uh, but now all the people that thought he uh, couldn't win now think he can't lose. And the problem is, and you know, they're going to have a mandate for socialism. I'd like to talk a little bit about the Federal Reserve's latest moves. I mean, obviously, cut investors and fund managers' institutions a bit off guard. The latest change in their forward guidance. I mean, we obviously are going to have a rate cut in a few weeks next month. So back-to-back rate cuts on August, September. I mean, that seems to me to show some urgency on their part to support the market. It almost feels like, this is hard for me to believe I'm saying this, the Fed is almost a puppet of the executive branch. When did that happen, and what are the implications? That happened a long time ago. I mean, how do you think we have such an enormous national debt? It's because the Federal Reserve has been willing to accommodate these deficits by monetizing them. Certainly, uh, during the QE period, uh, under uh, under Ben Bernanke, none of the big deficits would have been possible without the Fed. So the Fed has already been working hand-in-hand with the executive branch, uh, to artificially prop up the government and inflate asset bubbles to try to postpone uh, recessions that are actually healing and, and are actually necessary to ha- have a, a healthy economy, but which are politically inconvenient for politicians. So this has been going on for a long time. The idea that we have a central bank that's independent has been a bunch of nonsense. I mean, kind of what's happening now is that Trump is shining a light on that nonsense. Uh, by calling out the Fed, you know, and, and beating them up every day. I mean, this was probably going on behind the scenes uh, before Trump showed up. Uh, so he's just uh, got a different style. But I think it lets people know, uh, you know, wh- you know what's actually going on. And if you think the Federal Reserve is independent, I mean, you know, you're wrong. We've got roughly 20 rate cuts by the key central banks, their colleagues. We're obviously, as I mentioned, another rate cut coming up. It's a new rate cut cycle. So they're trying to support the market, and they're not even going to wait for a great recession, you know, 2008-2009 style market implosion. What's going to keep, you know, the foundation of the house of cards you referred to from ultimately giving where? I mean, are we on the cusp of a runaway equities market that then ultimately leads to a decade of a hangover or worse? I think the runaway equity market already happened. So I don't think there's another huge leg up waiting for the U.S. stock market. I mean, if that was going to happen, it would already have happened. I mean, the Fed called off the rate hikes. Uh, they called off quantitative tightening. 
They've now started to cut rates. They've opened up the door to more quantitative easing, to negative interest rates, and the market's not going up. So I think the market is expensive. I think the bubble has already popped. Uh, the question is, when's the air going to really start coming out? I was a little bit surprised that we made new highs following the big drop in December last year. I mean, I thought we would get a rally. I didn't expect the rally to make new highs. But we did make new highs in some of the indexes. Of course, not all of them. And not all the stocks made new highs. Plenty of stocks didn't. And, you know, the most the, the index that was the furthest from the highs was the Russell 2000, which I think is very telling because that's the index that's done the worst since Trump's been elected. But everybody thought that was going to be the place that did the best because it's Russell 2000 is focused predominantly on domestic stocks. It's not international and multinational. And so that index was supposed to derive the biggest benefit from the U.S. economy improving under Trump. Yet that is the index that's done the worst under Trump. And it didn't come close to making a new high. And in fact, we're now almost back in bear market territory on the Russell uh, Russell 2000. Uh, but, you know, I actually think the U.S. market, the average U.S. stock peaked out in January of 2018. So we really only had one good year for stocks under Trump. And that was the first year that he was elected because there was all this optimism about all this great stuff that he was going to do. But, of course, none of that great stuff has been done, despite the fact that Trump wants to pretend that he's done it. He hasn't. And I do think that there's a good chance that by the time the 2020 election rolls around, all the gains of 2017 will have been lost. And the U.S. stock market will actually be lower on Election Day 2020 than it was uh, when Trump took office. I'd like to talk a little bit about last week's chorus of analysts. I'm sure you've read some of the same articles I ran into. Just one Market Watch report last week showed something like four or five top money center analysts calling for gold to hit new highs in the next year or two. And what I find interesting about that is they're really echoing, it's like, it's like they're watching or listening to Shift Gold and Gold Seek Radio. It's like, hey, it's great that you've joined the chorus. What are your thoughts on this? Is this a bad sign that Wall Street and the mainstream are waking up to gold? If they all were waking up, then maybe it would be, but that's not happened. I mean, yes, there are some people now. It used to be nobody, right? I was like the only one that would recommend buying gold. Now you've got a few people. you got Mark Mobius uh, saying everybody should buy gold. you got Ray Dalio. But these are the type of people that you might have expected uh, to come out with a gold recommendation. But if you look at the, you know, the typical Wall Street strategists, look at their allocations, look at the major firms, the, the Morgan Stanley's, the Goldman Sachs, the J.P. Morgan's, these guys are not advocating any gold. Uh, you know, having gold is still... You know, a real, you know, fringe, uh, position, a real minority. Most, uh, people have zero exposure to gold, zero exposure to silver, zero exposure to mining stocks. But yes, there's a couple of people now that have woken up, but this is just the beginning, right? I mean, eventually, you're gonna see, uh, far more, uh, firms jumping on the bandwagon, but I think the price of gold will be significantly higher. I don't expect to see uh, you know, the firms really start to get involved in big Wall Street houses until gold is over 2000 And then at some point, you know, they'll start to notice it, and they'll start to notice the gold stocks, and maybe when the U.S. is in a bear market, they'll think maybe it makes sense to diversify. Uh, and then, you know, but by the time everybody gets on board, when it's like every single Wall Street firm is recommending 10% in gold, then, then maybe that'll be a time uh, to start worrying about a pullback. But, but right now, it's still such a minority opinion uh, that it's still, it's still a, you know, a non-consensus trade. It's still a contrarian trade. Buying gold, 
is is the contrarian. It's you know, the 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 typical portfolio has no goals. Exactly. I mean, we're looking at the top of the first inning in a double header. They're barely warming up here for the bull rally. Yeah, and I think some of these Wall Street guys that have got bullish on gold, I mean, maybe they're just deliberately understating it. But I mean, it's not just that gold's going to go up. Gold's going to go way up, right? It's not just going up a little. Because, and, and it's not even a function of gold. It's a function of all these fiat currencies about to collapse because we reached the end of the rope here when it comes to rate policy. They, they can't stimulate these economies anymore by cutting rates because they're already at zero. So now they're having to go to negative, but it's, not, it's never been an economic stimulus. The problem in the global economy is that interest rates have been too low. And the, the central banks still don't know that. They still want to lower them. And even though they've got to zero, they still can't figure out that the, that the low interest rates are the problem, so now they're trying to go below zero. But it's this kind of monetary insanity that you would expect to happen just before the collapse of the whole system. And so as these central banks are just creating money like crazy, uh, you know, gold's got to go way up, not just, you know, in terms of like the Argentine peso. I mean, we talked about what happened, you know, the peso lost 25% of its value overnight when those election results came out. That means gold prices jumped by 25% overnight if you're in Argentina. Well, pretty soon, gold's going to start making those kind of moves in dollars. Just for folks who aren't aware, Mark Mobius, major fund and money manager, you know, his track record is phenomenal, and he did call this week, investors should buy gold at any price. That's quite an endorsement there from Mark Mobius. He's not saying wait for a pullback, just buy it. No, get your hands on some. Exactly. I still find it odd, though, that so many of these top folks are calling for new highs in gold. And you seem to think that, you know, these estimates are almost irrelevant, that this is more of a currency issue that we're facing, and one of your fortes at Euro-Pacific. I think gold's going to get remonetized. I mean, people are very complacent about the U.S. dollar's role as the reserve currency because they don't think there's another currency that's ready to take its place. And that's true. I don't think the euro should be the reserve currency. I don't think the yen should be the reserve currency. I don't think we should have a reserve currency. I think gold should be the reserve for all currencies. Gold was the reserve prior to the U.S. dollar becoming the reserve currency. And the only reason the dollar became the reserve currency was because it was not only backed by gold, but redeemable in gold. So the world was still on a gold standard when it was on the dollar standard. But now that the dollar is backed by nothing and redeemable in nothing, we have no standard. And that's the problem. But I think when the, they try to put an end to this chaos, the monetary chaos that's coming, uh, the world's going to go back on gold. Central banks around the world are going to be backing up their paper with gold. And that's why central banks are accumulating gold now. I mean, the central banks that get it, that understand where we're going, know that they need to own more gold. And that's why the Chinese are buying it. That's why the Russians are buying it. And that's why the price is going much higher. If you really want to make money, it's these mining stocks. These things are dirt cheap because they are pricing in you know, lower gold prices, not higher. They're not even pricing in the current gold price. They assume that the price of gold is going to go down. People assume it's only rising because of temporary factors having to do with uncertainty or geopolitical risks. They have no idea. that The people that don't own gold have no idea why people are actually buying it. And they have no idea how high it's going to go. But that means that these gold stocks are a real bargain. And, you know, I got my gold fund, the Europe Pacific Gold Fund, and we had the number one. I was ranked for, up until the end of 2018. My fund got ranked number one by Lipper and Morningstar for five-year and three-year uh, track records. I mean, I got five stars on Morningstar, and then I got a plaque 
Uh, this year we're lagging a bit because I think I think a lot of the stocks that we have, a lot of the juniors haven't really moved yet, and I think they're going to move. So I think it's probably a great time for people to be looking at my fund. In fact, we we actually removed the load. We were number we were we were we were at the top even with a load. We overcame the load and we were still number one. But now you can go at Fidelity or Schwab, and there isn't a load, so that should make it even better. But you know, even if you pay the load, you know, it's still I think worth it um, because I think uh, we're doing. Adrian Day is the manager of the fund, by the way. I, you know, I don't manage it myself. I knew enough to know that I don't know enough about gold mining stocks to pick them myself. So I hired an expert to do it, and that's Adrian Day, and he's done a he's done a a great job. But yeah, and of course, you know, before anybody invests in any kind of fund, they got to read the prospectus and they got to understand the risk. There are a lot of risks if I'm wrong and you load up on gold stocks and gold goes down, gold stocks are going to go down even more. But if I'm right and gold goes to 5,000, 10,000, uh, the gains in miners are going to take gains on the metal. Give just a quick endorsement here. Peter Spina at GoldSeek. He's the head, the whiz kid. Peter at GoldSeek.com. I'll forward your address to you. He is your go-to guy for really bringing some alpha to your fund. He would work great with Adrian Day on that team. If he has time, he's super busy. But you covered two bases, though, here. First, I'd like to jump back to the central banking thesis you brought up. The ones who get it, the people who get it, they're buying gold. But let's not forget, there is a reserve currency out there that isn't tied to the dollar, to the yuan, to the yen, to the euro. And that is gold now that the Bank of International Settlements just told... I mean, this is the bank of the central banks. And they just said, hey, gold is as good as the dollar for your reserves. So they're starting to wake up to the idea that this is a real currency. And currency is supposed to be backed by money, except when it's not, we call it fiat currency, which is what we have now. But as people are losing confidence, if, you know, people keep saying the dollar is the, the cleanest dirty shirt in a hamper. Well, I don't want to wear a dirty shirt. You get a brand new shirt that's not in a hamper. Well, that's gold. Gold is beautiful. So, you know, why settle for the least bad fiat currency when you could take real money? And so that is the decision that more and more people are going to be making. Right? They're not going to try to choose between the lesser of the evils. They're going to choose good. People have turned to cryptos for that reason. And But I also think there's a lot, a big component of the crypto uh, appeal is how much more people think they're going to go up. I mean, when I talk to crypto people, you know, they, they, you know they're looking at 50000 a 100000 a million dollars of Bitcoin. So the, you know, where the numbers that people throw around for Bitcoin are much much higher. I mean, when someone talks about five to ten thousand dollar gold, I mean that's you know you're only talking five thousand gold is only a triple from here, right? I mean, so nobody who's buying Bitcoin thinks it's only going to triple. So there's a lot of expectations for high in the sky gains that have, that that are built into Bitcoin or uh, other cryptos. So that that is I think is a bigger driver than oh I just need to get out of the dollar because if you're just trying to get out of the dollar, you know. It, gold is a lot safer way to do it. Bitcoin is, is you know, uh, looking for the, the home run. But I think if people want a home run, they'd be better off, you know, buying the mining stocks, I think, as a leveraged bet on gold versus betting that cryptos are going to end up being digital gold as opposed to the fool's gold. But I think they are. But, you know, it is possible that if we really get a run or, you know, people get scared of dollars and euros and yen, that, you know, they could end up, you know, driving more demand for Bitcoin. But I think it's more likely that we have a collapse of the cryptocurrencies before we have a collapse of the uh, the you know the fiat the, the the government issued fiat currencies. In fact, if you look at the altcoins, 
they're basically already collapsing if you you know measure their exchange rates, especially against Bitcoin. If you if you look at it, you know the Bitcoin uh, now is about almost seventy percent of the total market cap of all the cryptos. Uh, but a year ago, I mean, I think it was down to less than forty percent. So uh, Bitcoin, you know, keeps gaining, or these altcoins keep losing value relative to Bitcoin, and I think that's going to continue. But you know, a lot of the Bitcoin people somehow think that this validates Bitcoin as you know, oh, it's the last man standing. Well, it may be the last man standing until it falls too, because I, I think that you know, uh, first they'll shoot the altcoins, and then you know, then they'll shoot Bitcoin too, because the similarities far outweigh the differences between these currencies. And, you know, if the altcoins can all go, I mean, Bitcoin is, is next. But wouldn't you agree, though, that one of the chief things that the precious metals miners have going for them, other than being the only way to really procure gold, these high-flying tech companies and the rest, the money managers, they can very quickly and easily allocate funds from the high-flyers, from the techs, from the technology sector, directly into the precious metals miners, and that doesn't really scare their investors. It doesn't make them look bad. There's no extra added risk. And it's such a relatively tiny market, the miners, relative to tax. Give us your estimates on the XAU and the HUI. Yeah, I mean, look, once Wall Street moves into the sector, once they discover the sector, and of course, we're a ways away from that happening, but they will, you know, but right now everybody is bullish. They see no reason to hedge. They see no reason to buy. But, you know, but there, there will be, just like, you know, there was no interest in Bitcoin until all of a sudden it went way up, right? Nobody really was talking about Bitcoin, uh, you know, in the financial community until the price, you know, really ran from like 10000 to 20000 and And all of a sudden people were talking about it and some institutions actually got into it. Um, and I think something like that will happen with gold once it makes a big enough enough, enough move. Uh, to get, you know, people greedy enough to, to, to start thinking about it. Uh, but also fearful enough that people start to worry about, uh, their portfolios going down and inflation, which they're not worried about now, or the dollar. There will be a move, uh, into, into gold stocks in particular. And yeah, I mean, the, the market capitalization of all the gold stocks combined, I mean, isn't even one tech stock. I mean, if you take every single gold stock that exists. But if you try to, Get a lot of company, you know, a lot of money into these stocks. I mean, obviously the price is going to go up, and you know, we know if Wall Street falls in love with something. I mean, look at the price of Beyond Meat, you know, and all these stocks like that that don't even have any earnings. I mean, so uh, you know, gold stocks, you know, exploration companies that don't have earnings. Who knows what kind of crazy price can be, you know, bid on these stocks uh, based on you know people wanting to bet that they find gold. And you know, there's an old saying: there's no there's no rush like a gold rush. Let's wrap up today, essentially, with that question. What is the fair value for the yellow metal today? If it were to readjust, let's get the like fiat money collapse drama. I mean, what's a real fair value today for gold? Yeah, my guess is it's probably somewhere between five and ten thousand dollars an ounce. That's where I. That's why I'm predicting those numbers because I think gold should already be there. Now, of course, when it comes to gold's fair value, because you always have to value gold in relation to the quantity of fiat currencies that are created. So the more money that gets created or the more fiat currency that's created, the higher the gold price needs to be uh, in relation to that fiat money. A better way to try to value gold would be, you know, what is you know gold versus copper or what is gold uh, versus wheat or what is gold versus crude oil? You know, what, what relationship there? What should the price of gold be relative to those? But, but to try to say what should the price of gold be in dollars 
who knows? One day, maybe a million dollars an ounce will be too low. Right? If they print enough money, I mean, what's the what's the price of gold in Zimbabwe? How many Zimbabwe dollars does it take to buy an ounce of gold? I mean, I, I'm not sure how many trillion it takes, you know. Um, but once upon a time, the Zimbabwe dollar and the U.S. dollar, I think, had the same value. Gold was the same in both currencies. The Rogan Experience, we're huge fans here at Gold Seek and uh, Joe and Jamie. You know, the first two times I did the show was in his original studio. And then he got a lot bigger. He built out a new, much bigger studio. And so I was in that one the third time I did the show. But yeah, no, it's all up. It's in the valley in, uh, in Southern California. I guess, however, he decorates it. This is his style. But yeah, he's really, really grown in popularity. Probably between the first time I was on the show and the last time. So obviously that's due to my being on the show. I claim credit for, uh, for his rise in popularity. Chairman of ShiftGold.com, don't forget to bookmark the site. Tell us more about what you're doing and what folks will find. Well, on Shift Gold, you'll find the best prices for gold and silver bullion online. Uh, you're not going to get talked into uh, some uh, coins that uh, people claim to be rare or collectible, numismatic type coins. You'll just get bullion. Uh, so people should definitely go to ShiftGold.com uh, and get some physical gold and silver. Particular silver right now is a great buy. Again, when you talk about pricing gold relative to other things, well, price silver relative to gold. Silver has really never been this cheap in history in relation to gold. So silver is a great buy. Uh, gold's going to go up, but that means silver should go up even more. Uh, so you can get silver at shiftgold.com. Also, you can get you can open up accounts online if you don't have you know five or ten thousand. I forget what our minimum is. If you just want to buy fifty or hundred bucks worth of gold, go to goldmoney.com, set up an account. And buy gold in you know small increments and have it stored in in a way that's liquid that you can actually use it as a medium of exchange. You can you can send portions of your gold to anybody anywhere in the world uh, for free if they have an account at Gold Money as well. Uh, so it's a great way not only to store gold as a store of value but to use it as a medium of exchange. And if you have larger portfolios, of course, uh, check out my brokerage firm, Your Pacific Capital, Pacific Asset Management. We have five mutual funds, including the gold fund that I mentioned earlier. Uh, I have separately managed accounts. I think that the dollar is, you know, done here. I think it's only a question of time, but you want to make sure to protect yourself um, from this and get money out of U.S. assets, U.S. stocks, U.S. bonds, and into uh, equity investments in countries that I think are in better shape than, than the U.S. Peter Schiff, always a pleasure. Thank you. Bye, right, Chris. The blockchain revolution is transforming the global arena, disrupting every industry in its path. Goldseek.com is excited to introduce an off-the-chain opportunity in digital gold and silver from our friends at Atmex and Sprott.com. One Gold holds physical gold and silver medals at the Royal Canadian Mint, the first online marketplace to offer secure and convenient buying, selling, and redemption of digital precious metals. One Gold uses Vault Chain, a secure, immutable blockchain ledger developed by Tradewind markets, the leading innovator in digital precious metals distributed ledger and blockchain technology. Vault Chain. Gold and silver are 100% redeemable through one gold. For physical precious metals delivered to customers' doors in any size at competitive prices and low transaction storage costs. As a special offer and for a limited time only, one gold is offering gold and silver at spot price with no additional premiums. OneGold.com is secure and accessible 24-7 on any device, offering convenient purchases and sales of precious metals. Easy recurring transactions make passive saving and gold dollar cost averaging as 
as easy as a single mouse click. Fault Chain offers the best tier pricing on AppMex products, setting the industry standard as a fully backed physical asset with easy redemption in coins, rounds, or bars, offering clients peace of mind and full transparency. Don't get left behind. Remember to bookmark OneGold.com for the safest and most convenient digital precious metals today. Remember, OneGold. GoldSeek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice. Shopping for fine jewelry just got easier. GoldSeek.com has identified the most successful jewelry brand to launch in recent times. Many Jewelry is rewriting the way consumers buy fine jewelry. Integrity Craftsmanship, the only company to sell 24 karat gold and platinum jewelry, avoiding confusing alloys and gems, a true precious metals investment. Many Jewelry's disruptive business model embraces Franco-American craftsmanship and direct-to-consumer economics, rapidly disrupting the $20 billion monopoly, just like Amazon and Uber. The sky is the limit with $1 billion of jewelry purchases daily for loved ones and those special occasions. Many Jewelry is an innovator positioned to capture market share with annual sales growth in the industry topping $30 billion by 2021. Many Jewelry coined the term investment jewelry, pricing by the gram, transparently disclosing its profit margins, a truer investment in pure gold or platinum. Similar to real estate, even artwork, Many Jewelry has a weighted value easily calculated, ensuring value wealth as a long-term investment. With sales in 60 countries around the globe, 20000 orders already, don't miss out on the explosive growth potential. Many Jewelry trades under the symbols M-E-N-E on the Toronto Exchange and in the U.S. M-E-N-E-F. Remember to sign up to Many's Shareholder Club to receive shareholder news, updates, and special discount codes for jewelry purchases. Remember, Many Jewelry. Gold Seek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice. This is Robert Ian with GoldSeek.com Radio. What if the much-anticipated 2020 presidential election turned out not to be? As in cancelled, placed on hold, or subjected to a court battle? What if the digital censorship strategies that have already been implemented against primarily libertarian and conservative thought, and otherwise apolitical individuals who simply ask tough questions and have the wherewithal to gather a large listening or viewing audience? What if the interference and outright ban against this large demographic of voices is shown to have already influenced and meddled with the outcome of the 2020 elections. Not to mention the electronic man-in-the-middle capabilities that could invisibly place more than their thumb on the outcomes of key elections in key locations by just enough to change the overall result much like the crooked card dealer who intervenes in a large, otherwise fair card game by dealing seconds at opportune moments throughout the game in order to cause the high roller seated next to you to lose while all the other hands play out according to chance. And aren't our good friends at the supposedly federal Federal Reserve, supposed to be a political, independent, 
and seeking to accomplish their quote-unquote mandates of low inflation and unemployment? Anyone who's followed inflation the last decade or more knows it isn't low. It may be calculated and reported as low, but it is not low. Unemployment and how it is actually calculated is another discussion altogether. The point is, the Fed appears not to be independent nor apolitical. A much-publicized Bloomberg editorial from Bill Dudley, who served as president of the Federal Reserve Bank of New York from 2009 to 2018, and as vice chairman of the Federal Open Market Committee, has essentially stated, and I quote, There's even an argument that the election itself falls within the Fed's purview. After all, Trump's re-election arguably presents a threat to the U.S. and global economy, to the Fed's independence, and its ability to achieve its unemployment and inflation objectives. If the goal of monetary policy is to achieve the best long-term economic outcome, then Fed officials should consider how their decisions will affect the political outcome in 2020. Clearly, the gloves have come off, and the Fed's surrogates are not hiding the fact that they too want to tamper with the 2020 presidential election. Words mean things, and by this very assertion, Mr. Dudley has blown the Fed's cover quite publicly and laid bare a massive chink in its armor of pretend credibility. Perhaps there will be little or no place for Federal Reserve Banks in what appears to be the precursor storm clouds of an ensuing financial reset. Will the world split into a bilateral or trilateral monetary and trading system? Will the U.S. create a parallel dollar, like issuing preferred stock for domestic and select international trade, backed by gold or some other form of commodity or cryptocurrency combination? Will certain debts be written off, or will they be revalued in whatever new currency units are created and follow you into the future of a brave new world? These are big questions, and by the utterances and speculations of individuals like Mr. Dudley, there are many who are clearly concerned what role if any, they will play in the next chapter of global change. Let nothing surprise you as we move toward November 2020, because all bets are on. And until next time, this is Robert Ian with ConquerChange.com. Thanks, Chris.
Okay, Robert, thanks for another excellent installment. Well, that wraps up this week's GoldSeek.com radio episode. For two new big guests, be sure to check out next week's show. Until we talk to you again, have a great week. GoldSeek employees may or may not own shares. Nothing contained herein should be construed as investment advice.